and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 9, Episode 19. I'm Jack. And I'm Mark. Um, welcome back, Mark. Episode 2 for you, isn't it? It's been a while since we've formally sat down and talked about Spurs. It has, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we have our ad hoc conversations, but it's been a while since the last formal one. And there's quite a few things for us to discuss today. We haven't actually done a podcast for a couple of weeks, so I'd like to start with the January transfer window. Now, being a Spurs fan, every transfer window is always full of hope disappointment Gareth Bale <laughs> and usually we end up with at least one of those three uh, often the disappointment yeah. um, but I actually felt that this January transfer window was was quite a good window for us actually you know we got um, Jason Fernandes in central mid- midfielder who I can't say I know too much about but central midfielder has been a problem for us we got him in Stephen Bergwijn's come in as well again a player I'm not I'm not that familiar with um, but we also managed to get rid of Danny Rose which I think was a real real plus for us. Carl Walker-Peters went out as well. The only area really that we didn't strengthen was striker, which was probably the one area that we were crying out for. But yeah. you know what? As Tottenham transfer windows go, I actually thought that, that was not a bad one. I, I, I agree massively. On the Rose point, I, I've always rated Rose if we're looking purely as a, as a player. I think like his ability to drive forward, cut inside, you know, he's, he's, he, he genuinely sort of plays with a passion, but I think he'd become toxic. Yeah. It's not the first time he's spoken out. He's had the falling out recently, which which made the headlines. And I think, I mean, even you look at Ericsson as well, in terms of once their head's not in it, that negativity can be so, so contagious. And I, th- I think it was just time. He'd been with us for many years and you know, done a service, but I think I think getting him off, off the, yeah. sort of, uh, out of the dressing room was a really good thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm with you on Gibson. I don't, I don't really know. Mm. Um, I know sort of, sort of fell out of favour a little bit with, with Benfica the last few months. Doesn't mean he can't be a good signing for us, yeah. but I, I don't have a huge insight. Yeah, and I, I agree on your point, Sarah Ericsson Rose. I think Ericsson's been a funny one because it's like his performances have definitely tailed off. Yeah. But in terms of a player that has clearly and publicly said I don't want to be there mm. he's actually been alright for us these six months I know he's, he's not the player that he was but he's contributed he's not he's not kicked off he's not refused to play he's not refused to train he's, he's probably behaved as well as you can expect anyone to that wants to go right I would say he's actually shown a little bit of class because yeah. because there is definitely there's, there's the mentality now that players will throw their toys out the pram they'll utilise the power of the agent um try and get some column inches in the paper yeah. and force something through. But no, you're right, he's kept his head down and he's, yeah, he, he's, there's something, there is that, that spark missing, but he's, he's got on and done a job that he's paid to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and Danny Rose as well. Um, there's absolutely no question that 2016-17, whenever it was, he was the best left back in the country. Mm-hmm. No, no one could come close to him whatsoever. We had him and Walker and they were just absolutely phenomenal. Walker obviously got his move yeah. um, and he's gone on and achieved some fantastic things. Rose didn't. Um, so I think there was definitely a sense of bitterness with that, that you know, he's one of his mates from Spurs is now up north where he wants to be, earning yeah. two, three times as much, winning all these trophies. He's had injury problems, Rose, and he's just, you know what, his performances just haven't quite been there. And I loved, I loved him. Those few seasons when we were playing with wing-backs, he was phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, but I think out of what... Jose wants out of a left back now. It's just it's just not not at the required level anymore, um, which is a shame. You know, he's a long serving player for us, and it is a shame that he's ended the way it has because I think most fans now will will look at him and there'll be a bit of 
not hatred, that's probably too strong. He's but tainted it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think definitely. Whereas, it, yeah. I think with Ericsson, I think once that settles down a little bit, we will look back and be like, you know what, he was absolutely brilliant for us and you'll, you'll remember all the good things he did. But with Rose, because it's been going on for so long, mm. I think it'd be difficult when he does come back to Spurs as an opposing player. I can't see him getting the best of receptions. Do you know what I think? I think... So I agree with that, but I think it's not only just the longevity of, of the, the, the back and forth, it's the attitudinal piece. Yeah. It's because you were saying, you know, Ericsson kept his head down. Yeah. And okay, you would have loved to have seen that extra 20% um, on, on the pitch, but he's kept his mouth shut and Rose hasn't. And yeah. I think, and, 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 and football fans were a remarkably fickle bunch. Yeah. And, and when a player doesn't show that, you know, they're, they're, they'll live and die for the badge and actually they want yeah. out and they've got, they got too much mouth. It, yeah, they, I, think, I think you're right. He'll, he'll definitely get a... You know, if you were to, to create two scenarios where Ericsson comes back and Rose comes back, very different receptions. Yeah, I think on the flips as well, I think that's a very good signing for Newcastle because I don't yeah. think Rose is an absolutely shocking player. I just think for us, he's, it's not right anymore. It's probably not, not what we need. But Newcastle have gone and signed a play. You know, they're playing five at the back. It'll probably suit him. Yeah. Great signing for them. Good move for him. Mm. Um, he was backed into a corner, really, wasn't he? Because... Jose clearly wasn't going to play him. He didn't fancy him. Yeah. There's the Euros in the summer. He had to get a move and go somewhere where he was going to play if he had aspirations of playing for England. Yeah. And a lot of people were questioning that, weren't they? Saying, this is whether, you know, we'll find out about what Danny Rose is like. Because if he doesn't go, then clearly he's not that bothered about playing for England. So I think it's a, I think it's a good move all round, really. I mean, the, the only thing was the, what was it he said in December uh, to the press, you know, you, you watch, come January, I won't be going anywhere. Yeah, and he kind yeah. of made that, made that statement, which yeah. was the rookie era. Yeah. He sort of really sort of dug his heels in with that. So he said, you know, he lost a little bit of face there. But oh, yes, you're right. It's the right move. He is a good player. When he's at his best, I think he's phenomenal. Um, and I, I, I wish good things for him. So hopefully mm. it's, it's, it's a good move for him and Newcastle. And Carl Walker-Peters was the other one that, that went out on loan to Southampton mm. which I think is a good move Cedric Suarez going to Arsenal so he can go in there hopefully he'll get more game time because he, he hasn't really played much this season um, he's there, for me he's shown glimpses of there could be a decent player there but well, I just haven't seen enough of him um, so hopefully he can go to Southampton and play and then we can actually truly judge whether or not he's going to be good enough um, I was a little bit surprised that we let him go given that Rose went and mm. we don't have two Davis is injured yeah. I know he's on the way back but we don't know how serious that is and Aurier's Aurier oh. um, but I guess with Tanganga coming through and looking like a Rolls Royce of a defender <laughs> you're thinking we've got a little bit of cover either side there you've got Davis for Tom can go out there maybe he thinks I've got enough um, but a good move for Walker-Peters and again a brave decision from him to go and be like you know what I'm going to go and try and play um, so hopefully that that'll be a good move for him but yeah, if you had to rate that window out of 10 for Spurs, what, what, what would you score it as? I mean, the thing is, because the, the, the January window is normally so bad and it's so tough with Levy holding the, yeah. holding the, the, the purse strings, it, it's, probably, it's, and it's probably for us, especially after Bergwijn, if, you, if, if, this, yeah. if he had, didn't have the debut he had yesterday, it might be a different if he conversation. If was a new and G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 With playing as well as he is, and then, and then Bergwijn was... I'd say I'd say stronger seven eight. I mean, yeah, I'll agree. because because ultimately you're not going to make a huge marquee striker signing, right? Because Kane is not gone. Kane's injured yeah. for the last two three seasons. He's always out for three four months, and and we managed you know, we get goals from elsewhere on the pitch. So there was only so many signings you could make, mm-hmm. and I think I think the Walker Peters thing, as you said, was was a clever long term move for him, and hopefully you know, he'll he'll get the the minutes he needs and come back a better player mm. and there was a lot of um, talk on deadline day itself that we were 
trying to get a deal to get Olivier Giroud, yeah. which massively yeah, divided yeah, yeah, fans. Yeah. Um, you know what? I actually thought if we'd have got that over the line and got him for six months, I think that would have been a decent bit of business. I think the only thing is, obviously, he's ex-Arsenal. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? That's what most fans are like, no, we wouldn't want him. But, you know, for the way we're playing at the minute, I think he would have been all right. I'm not absolutely gutted that we didn't get him. But, mm. you know, when his name was being thrown around, I thought, you know what? He needs games. He wants to get in the France squad for the Euros. That wouldn't be too bad. We need someone that could hold it. Uh, you know, I, wouldn't, I would have been all for that deal. Didn't happen. Whether or not it was close, we'll, we'll never know. Um, Ian's ended up staying at Chelsea, which yeah. I mean, you see that knock-on effect, right, of one deal doesn't happen and loads of deals don't happen. So we don't know how close that was. What would, you, what would your reaction have been if we'd have got Giroud in on deadline day? Do you know what? I, 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 when I first... Uh, picked up the paper and I saw that there was talk of that my natural reaction was to bristle yeah. because it is, it is you know ultimately the <coughs> football is passion beyond, beyond reason and it's, it's too emotionally driven so I, the thought of it was horrible I've, I've always found him quite an arrogant player yeah. and he's you know he's, he's, he's a gooner um, pretty boy as well isn't yeah, he? yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly. he's, he's, he hasn't really got the likability factor but ultimately we need someone that as you say can hold it up do a job score goals it suits both parties if you look at it from a pure business perspective if he'd come in and scored two or three goals in those few games, my view would be different. Go instinct is I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. someone I want in a Spurs shirt. But but yeah, it, it depends. Listen, it depends on his performance. I'm as fickle as any other fan. I yeah. want us to I want us to win. You quickly forget, don't you? Because remember when we brought Galas in and everybody yeah, yeah, was just yeah. like, "What the hell are we doing?" And there's <laughs> yeah. still some fans that look back and say that was a cress on, but. You know what? He was actually a decent centre half for yeah, us. I yeah, mean, yeah. we just got in the Champions League as well, and he ended up being pretty solid. I mean, he captained us, didn't he, in yeah, some games? So, um, yeah, football fans are extremely fickle. Um, did we make a mistake? Do you think in not giving Lorente another year? Would you have liked to have seen us kept him for situations like we're in now? So, so go. I mean, the thing is, he, he did step up when he had to, um, and he got sort of like four or five really crucial goals at the time when he was sort of when we needed him to come off the bench, but. I feel like we're going through a period where we, we, we're sort of holding off with players that, you know, they're all right and they have a good game here, good game there. No, I think we need to probably be more ambitious. Mm. Um, and actually, we, we, when you say about times like this, obviously we came out, we, we have got goals elsewhere in the pitch. We can sort of um, set up in a slightly different shape. Um, and actually, you're, you're more kind of clutching at, at his ability rather than saying hands down he was he was mm. very very good for us so no I, I don't I don't think that that he was it, it's a massive loss in not, mm. not having him mm. um, can you think back to any deadline days or other transfer windows where we've made a signing and you've just been so so excited like are there any players where you're like god that felt like such a big moment for us um, I mean Deadline day specifically, not necessarily, but just in terms of big signings. Um, I, I remember being really, really excited when Van der Vaart yeah. signed. Yeah, that's, really, that's the correct answer. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, because when, when, I was having to think about that, obviously with the deadline day just passing and signings and that, that kind of like that, that feeling of, God, this could be big. Van der Vaart was a big one yeah, for me. Yeah, that was brilliant. There were a couple for me. When we got Robbie Keane back yeah, from yeah, Liverpool yeah. and they were just cut to the training ground and he was just, I was like, oh, this is, the, you know, this is what we want. Um, that was fantastic. And I don't think it was a deadline day signing, but, and this is going to sound ridiculous in hindsight with how poor he was, but when we signed Soldado, <clears throat> genuinely, 
genuinely. I actually remember doing a screenshot, sending it around, being like, look, at, we've, we've got a centre-forward here. I think he was just coming off the back of scoring 25 goals yeah, in the league, and yeah, I was like, yeah. he's done it in the Champions League, he's done it you know, at the highest level in Spain. I was like, we've got a player here, yeah. and we all know how that turned but out. That's the thing, and that, I think that's, it might be when, when I think about the signings that excite me, they're probably more few and far between because we've had so many full stones. That's it. There are players it. that should have been brilliant, and you think if they'd come to other clubs in England, they probably would have done so much better than this, other than the Spurs yeah. effect. And it all seems for the other way around. Like, I can't remember, oh, they were showing all footage of it the other day, like when we signed Deli Alley, no one was excited about that. Everyone was no. thinking, oh, that's five million we've spent. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He'll be out on loan, and then we won't hear yeah. from him ever again. Yeah, These yeah. ended up being amazing. When mm. we signed Eric Dyer, everyone was like, who? There's yeah. an English lad from Portugal, what the hell? So yeah. it's amazing the difference of. Well, Gareth Bale held the record for the most amount of games played that he'd lost. I mean, everyone just wanted him gone, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, it was like, yeah. cut your losses, yeah. that's it. it. Was, I mean, we, we had him and David Bentley at the same time, and it was like, get rid of oh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, we, right, we got rid of the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a bit about the FA Cup. So, we've got a Go replay on. against Southampton this week. Yeah. Um, we obviously played them 10 days or so ago um, in the first game, mm. drew 1 1. Um, they got a late equaliser which was gutting because it, we actually played quite well in that game and it looked like we were fairly comfortable and we were going to hold on and get through um, so the replays this week it's going to be a tough game mm. Southampton have massively turned their season around since getting thumped by Leicester they've been pretty phenomenal ever since then um, now Jose after the game against City yesterday said that he thinks that we're in trouble with a lack of attacking options that we've got and the amount of games that we've got coming so do you think we should be prioritising the, the Southampton game this week or do you think that that's an opportunity where we have to rest and rotate we have to prioritise if you look at the last few seasons the club, the club that we've become over the last few years we, we are a, a permanent fixture on this season Solomon. permanent fixture in the top four we're a permanently fi- permanent fixture in the Champions League we're doing all the right things we're playing at the top level against the biggest clubs we've got the best stadium and the training ground we need silverware and this season we are fighting for fourth place Right, forget forget third, second, they're long gone. Yeah. So we're fighting for for one chance to get back into Champions League next season. The only chance we've got, of, you know, a, a piece of sort of silverware, and something for the trophy cabinet is the FA Cup. We absolutely have to prioritise mm. it, in my opinion. Mm. I think that he will make some changes, won't he? I think you might see like Lamella get a start. Mm. Hopefully, Ndombele will will get a start. Yeah. Um, you know, he hasn't played too much football. I think that there'll be a pretty settled back four. I don't know how far Ben Davis is. Um, but I think he'll make a couple of changes. But I mean, going forward in attack, we don't have too many other options other than to sort of play to Son Lucas. I think he was saying that Bergwijn isn't eligible for whatever reason for this game. I don't know if it's a registration thing or not. I but did not. He was, I missed that. I didn't he was that, saying okay. that, yeah, that he didn't <clears> think <throat> that he could pick him. So right. he'll have to change it around a little bit. But you yeah. hope that those players sort of on the fringes can come in and, and do a bit of a job and get through. But it's not going to be an easy game whatsoever. No, no, it's not. But and I don't know. There's a little bit of sort of the Mourinho mind games mm. and, and 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 doing what he does best with that comment because on another day he'll talk about you know when you say Lucas Son Ali again this season like we've got goals yeah. we've absolutely got goals for, from the midfield um, and we we've had people that talk to stewardship in Kane's absence previously we're we're not a one person team 
right? We, we can score goals. And actually, as you say, the back four is becoming a little bit more stable. We've got Hugo back. Um, Who's been a massive player since he's come back in, actually. Yeah, you know? and absolutely. I, I thought that Gazaniga did extremely well as a standing, standing keeper. And I think yeah. that's as good as a number two goalkeeper as you're going to find. I think he's really, really solid, consistent. But Loris has come back in and he's, he's made some saves that you just think... Okay, fair enough. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like Gazaniga wouldn't have saved that, and, and yeah. he has. And I think the way that we're playing now, where we're, we're a lot more direct, we're not playing it around at the back as much, it's really reducing the chances of Loris making errors because, yep. of course, he'd make errors with his hand because all goalkeepers do throughout the season, but often it would be him kicking us into trouble mm. and he'd play crazy passes out from the back and you think, what are you doing? But we're not really playing like that anymore. So I hope that this could be a bit of a turning point for Loris as well when we see the best of him now because. We're reducing the chances of him making errors because we don't we don't play to his weaknesses, which sounds really odd. No, I get that. I, I think the one thing going back to Gazaniga is I don't think if you look at you know you're watching all the punditry and you're reading the column inches, I don't think that Gazaniga got nearly enough um, credit for what he, he did. did very well because um, you know he's he's a number two at the end of the day, and he came in and he did a great job and he made some really key saves. I think he commanded his area quite well. We. If you look at the lack of clean sheets, and I know we spoke about this previously, mm. I definitely think there is a less confidence in, in the back four in Gazaniga than, than Hugo. And he doesn't command his back line as well. But he did a really, really good job. And I, I think that kind of just went under the radar a little bit for me. But yeah, I mean, obviously you take Laurie's back all day long. Yeah. The one thing I'd say is he's, he, he's, he's still, you, you've got, it's, it's the sublime to ridiculous He'll come out and command his area in the most phenomenal way, and he makes the most unbelievable sort of like you know these, these sort of reaction uh, stops. But then, I mean, I'm still trying to understand how that wasn't a penalty after the after the penalty save. Yeah. I I've watched it time and time again. I, you know, he can be quite erratic, and he gets a rush of blood to to the head, and that still concerns me. But I'd take that. Yeah. Yeah. Given what he can uh, give I, us, I still think that Jose will be looking at that goalkeeper position, and he'll be thinking. You know who 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 else is out there? Can I go and get a real real world class keeper mm. to bring in? Because for me, Loris has always been outside that bracket. I always think he's been a good goalkeeper. I've never quite had him in the real elite keepers in Europe. So I think that's still a position they'll be looking at. But you know, for now, there are other areas of the pitch yeah, we need yeah, to address yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot before that. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon for this Southampton game then? For a quick prediction on on how you think that game is going to pan out. Do- the, the, the one problem for me with predicting games at the moment and this season is that we're not showing any form of consistency. So Most sides uh, aren't, are they? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this is very true. And, and the, the thing is, the games that we do get results out of, we do the whole, well, we haven't played well, but we've managed to grind out result, and that's a sign of a good team. I think we're falling on that a bit too much. Hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll come to the City game yeah. in a bit, I'm sure. But I, you know, I, I just, I don't, great boost, clean sheet, Beat City back into fifth, four points off fourth. All those things are massive, but the performance—it's mm. not yeah, left yeah. me feeling good about Saturday. So yeah. I, 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 I personally, I mean, I, I, I see it going into extra time. I, I, just, I, see, oh, I, I do. I, I, that, re- yeah. I really do. I don't think it's gonna. I don't. I think we, we definitely seem to be shoring things up more at the back. I think there were some really some solid examples of defending and, and making some some really well time challenges um, yesterday. But I don't think that we're. 
we're commanding enough. I, I can see it just being a bit of a bit of a, a messy game by sides mm. and, and dragging out the minutes. I think whenever I watch Spurs play at the moment, I don't expect a clean sheet. I always mm. expect the opposition to score in in every game I go to at the moment. I, I don't think that the game against Southampton will be any different. Yeah, they're pretty good going forward. Like, yeah. you know, Ings Ings is having a fantastic season. I'm surprised nobody went in for him as much as he would have cost, and you know, I'm still surprised no one did. I think we'll get through. But I think it'll be very, very tight. Two one, something like that, and mm. just nervy because that that's what we're used to at the moment. Yeah. But fingers crossed we can get through. Um let's talk about the game at the weekend then. So yeah. Spurs two, Man City nil. Yeah. Uh, I mean if you'd have said to Sounds me lovely, doesn't last it? week that would be the score, I would have laughed and probably taken you to the doctor. Um <laughs> it feels like a big turning point to me. Um I know that City created a lot of opportunities, but in the punditry after the game, they kept saying, you know what, it was Spurs' day. I can't ever remember us S- having a Sunis day. Was yeah. saying, wasn't and it, it's yeah. like, it's never our day. It's always the opposition's day against yeah. us. Like, I can't remember too many times where we literally battered like that, have a couple of chances, just take them. Mm. It always seems like it's the other way around when we've got teams pending in and they, they beat us like that. Um, so I thought it was a really, really big win. Hopefully it's a turning point for us. I think that the way we set up in that game, that that's... That's how we're going to play under Jose. We're going to sit deep and we're going to try and play on the break. We did it against Liverpool. We were a lot better actually against Liverpool at reducing chances mm. than we were against City. I think they had something like 20 shots, didn't they, against us, which, you know, on another day they could and should have scored three or four, probably just in the first half. Yeah. Um, there were some very controversial moments in the game, to say the least. So, VAR. So, the first one was the Sterling tackle on Delhi. After about half an hour, yellow card was given in real time, referred to VAR, not overturned. What were your thoughts on that? Short answer is it was a red. Uh, long answer is I don't know. Because mm. because every week you see the same incident yeah. and a different outcome being given. So when I'm chatting to my mates and this, you, you can take who you support. So I'm, at, you know, I'm having conversations where I'm sitting here with Gooners and we're both saying we, we just don't know anymore. Mm. You know, whether it's, whether it's someone's eyelashes offside or whether they go like two-footed into someone's chest and it's like, you know, and they wave play on. It's, it's so hard to know. But for me, he was gone in studs up, right into like above, above the ankle and it like properly rolled mm. Ali's, Ali's mm. foot if that had had a bit more pressure, could have been a snap. For me, that's da- it's, it's dangerous and it could have been, you know, could have done real damage. It's a red card. I don't understand why it wasn't given. Mm. I think the only thing that saved Sterling was, in real time, it didn't look like anything. Mm. I know that sounds stupid because we've got VR and the replays and it all slows down, but you know how you see some tackles and immediately you think, that's a bad tackle? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really get that. In real time, I didn't even know if it was a foul. Obviously, no. you look at it and you think, oh, yeah, he's... he's He's high there, but I think that's probably what saved him. And I think the fact that he's gone in on Deli Alley, and it, you know, if that had been other players in the Premier League that maybe got a reputation of making more of a meal of stuff, that that could have got Sterling in more trouble as well. Having said that, rules are the rules, right? And none of that should matter. It's consistency. I'd, I honestly, I'd, I'm still not sure if I, if it's a red card or not. Whilst it's high, I don't know if there's enough. To make me be like that's definitely. A I think it would have hundred percent would have been an orange, hundred <laughs> percent orange card all day. Yeah, but I'm a. I don't know, and this and this is the problem, isn't it? That we're sat here. You think it's a red? I'm not sure. Mm. VAR doesn't massively help, does it? In that situation. Well, see, so this is where I'm com- completely confused. So all of the points you just made, mm. I take on board. The way it looks in real time, the fact that certain players have a reputation for going down too easily, <coughs> making a deal of it. 
But that is literally the point of VAR, to remove mm. all of that and go, right, let's look at this in, in sort of frame by frame. You know, where, what was the angle of the foot? How high were the studs? What was the impact? How, what was the potential danger? Remove the individuals that have been tackled or, 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 or carried out the foul and make a decision. And, and when it comes to, to those parameters, there's still not consistency. Yeah. And I'm not doing this as a Spurs fan. If that was one of ours, I was like, Aurier, right? I've, I can't... The guy, yeah. I'm on edge yeah, just saying yeah, his yeah. name I'm feeling feeling nervous if he was if he had done that to another player I'd say look fair fair that, that he's yeah. got to go so I, I just it's it's if if the people that are creating the rules can't agree how are we supposed to know anymore yeah it, it, it's different and I think the weird thing about that was I think if Mike Dean had given a red yeah I don't think VR would have overturned it and said no that's a yellow very good point so I think it's difficult, it's consistent, it's what we always moan, we always say refs can make mistakes, you can live with that, but the consistency thing, there was the Abamyang one a few weeks ago, which yeah. is a little bit different, but you know, not, it's not too dissimilar, and he got a red for that. We had Robertson, didn't we, on mm. Tanganga, which was pretty similar, and that, I, mean, I don't even think a free kick was given for that, so it is a consistency thing. Now, Sterling was full of controversy in the whole game, so... Obviously, they had the... the pen- Let's talk about the penalty, actually. I thought, in real time, Oriana Aguero, penalty. Mm-hmm. Absolute penalty. I've seen the replay back. I still think it's a penalty. Yep. Yeah, I think it's one of them. He's clever from, from Aguero. He knows what, he knows what he's going to do. How many times have we seen Aurier literally, from the back of someone, just take them out? I, I, don't, I, I don't understand why, the, why this is being allowed to happen. <laughs> how, is he, how is this so guy still strange. doing this? It's, uh, yeah, and it, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It, it was very clever, because... So he's he's gone he's gone through him from behind, but actually there was slight contact on the outside of his of his leg. So then Aguero started to go down. It's not until he's falling forward that actually Aurier's yeah. leg wraps around him. So it was it was kind of a retrospective thing, but he's still coming in from the wrong angle, made contact, and it, and it was a legitimate penalty. Yeah, you just um, think like you, he's going towards the corner flag. Yeah, he's not got the ball under control. Like literally, just shield him into the corner. Like. Mm. It's fine, you don't have to make a tackle. My, my biggest question is, is it a rush of blood, or does he actually, can he not read the timing of his own challenges? Because I think, I think if it's the latter, it's more concerning. I, I, I think it probably is. I think he's thinking, I can, I can take that ball. That's yeah. mine. But he's like, Le- just learn. But that's a lack of ability, <coughs> which to me is more concerning, because that will continue. If it, if it is around sort of that attitudinal piece and that, that, you know, that, that red mist descending, you can, you can work with the player and whatnot. But if he just can't time challenges, I mean, that's what he's paid to do. It's very concerning. I just think he's such a strange player because that, our whole tactics now and the way that our left-back tucks in is basically to get Oreo as far away from our goal as possible. <laughs> that yeah. is how we set up. We want our right-back high up the pitch, yeah. just keep him away. Um, the few times he does get dragged back in, you just think, what are you doing? Mm. And he... Oh, it's always entertaining watching Aurier. I and mean, if he didn't play for Spurs, I think he'd be one of my favourite oh, players yeah. because as a neutral, yeah. you'd, you'd imagine a whole team of Serge Aurier's that would be an incredible game of football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a David Luiz sort of character, yeah. isn't it? Like from the sublime to the ridiculous. He's just a bit, you know. I think of that brilliant goal that he scored a few months ago. Was it in the, the win over Burnley? Was it a half volley? Mm. Or maybe it wasn't against Burnley. But I mean, that was just perfection. And then he does that. And yeah, you just yeah. think, oh, right, okay, brilliant. Yeah. Um, now, the penalty um, was taken um, by Gundogan and, I mean, Loris. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, palms it away. Sterling comes steeping. In real time, I thought, that's a penalty again. Mm. I thought, that is another penalty. He's done a Gomez. Do you remember Gomez yeah, doing that against Blackpool? Yeah. One of my, literally, one of my favourite memories of a Spurs goalkeeper is, is Carreño <laughs> Gomez doing that. Saving a penalty. Corner coming in, just punching someone in the face. Another penalty. Retake goal. 
amazing. Um, so I thought it, it had a Gomez moment. Yeah. Um, then actually, when they slowed it down, I don't I don't know if it's a dive or not. I think it's one of them that he's he's waiting for the contact. It it doesn't it doesn't come. He's on his way down anyway. Is it a dive? I don't, I don't know. I don't know to be honest. So but I've seen them given, even though he doesn't touch him. Yeah, I've seen them given. I normally when they're when they're doing the the VAR piece, they show you from multiple angles, but they kept unless I was missing something, but they kept showing from the same angle, and I couldn't. For me, it looked like contact. Now I know they were saying he pulled his hand away just at the right time, and there wasn't contact, but. I, if if that had stood as a penalty, I, I wouldn't have felt aggrieved. Yeah, it would have been typical. Yeah, which it? which was which is the other bit I was saying about Hugo. Yeah. love him, but you know he could be quite rash. Yeah, and I guess as well, what what we don't know as supporters watching the game is the conversation that's happening between the VAR and Mike Dean because Mike Dean might have said, "There's contact for me. That's not enough for a penalty." And then VAR are probably going to say, "Okay, fair enough." Whereas if he says. Loris hasn't touched him, then maybe it's a different conversation. But we we don't we don't know what that conversation is. So yeah, and then um, there's another question: Should we be privy to that? Yeah, well, I mean, because like in, in rugby, there's and so in cricket. Yeah, you hear so much more, yeah. and it's all very transparent how decisions are made. Yeah. And I think that's causing a lot of the frustration in the terraces and also at home is that you, you, there's not really an understanding of how what, what's been what's led to the decisions. That I really, come to. I really, really hope that we get to that point. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I think they're trying. Well, you hope that we're trying to get there with them consulting the pitch side monitors. I think that's the first step. Mm. I think once that starts happening more regularly, because again, for the Sterling yellow, red on, on mm. Deli Alley. What an opportunity that is for VAR to just say to Mike Dean, it's high, just go and have another look. If yeah. you still think it's a yellow, fine. Like, that was a real good opportunity for them to do that, but they didn't do it. But, and I'm sorry on this, this, the VAR thing because it's keeping me up at night. Um, <laughs> do you not think that this is going to start to have a really negative effect on, on refs? Someone like Mike Dean, right, he's been in the game for years and he's sort of like thought of very high, holding the highest regard mm. top level. That challenge, Moray, he's you know he's signalling he's got the ball, play on, and then VAR turn around and be like, actually no, you've got that categorically yeah. wrong, and that is a, a game changing decision that you've messed up on. Are they now going to start sort of second guessing themselves, being too nervous to make a decision, worrying that like because it's an, there's an element of pride involved. If you 100%. if you make a decision in, on the on the on that kind of level of you know, that um, uh, platform. And then someone says, no, you got that wrong, mate. You're not good at what you're doing. It's, it's, so then it's going to make them, like, you know, like, just like players get nervous when the fans get on their backs. If they're getting called out all the time, I don't, I don't know where the negative impact. 100%. And I think this is where that pitch sub monitor can be a real good thing for the on-field referee. Because it gives them a second chance to their own decision. can just say, oh, it's, it's borderline. Even if it's blatant, it's borderline. Just go and have another look. Yeah, and then yeah. if they're still like, no penalty, then maybe VR can go... No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah definitely. Is. We let you have yeah. a second. Yeah. We're just yeah. being nice. You've got that wrong. Um, that for me feels like the perfect solution. Mm. But I think that that will be the first step, and then I hope that then the second step will be that we get audio of what's actually happening yeah, because yeah. that that's the thing. Fans just get so frustrated. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't at the game at the weekend, but you know it was about just under two minutes from the penalty it incident. Was, yeah, game you know, carrying on to then them stopping it and saying, you know what, mm. that that's actually a penalty, and you just. It hasn't happened yet, I don't think, not in the Premier League anyway, but there'll be an instant like that where a penalty is not given, team go up the other end and score, and then they chalk the goal off penalty, and like that's yeah, going to cause... Yeah, um, imagine yeah. if we'd have scored in that... I mean, we don't think we had the ball in that 90 <laughs> seconds, but that would have caused absolute outrage, yeah. wouldn't it? But, um, yeah, so, the, I mean, they were, they were the incidents. Fantastic 
um, clip going round of Mourinho and his assistant oh, Sacramento on the bench. First, we're going crazy at the fact that there's VAR for a second penalty shout, then relaxing because it's not been given. Mm. Then there's a moment of realization where it's like, hang on. Sterling could get a second yellow yeah. and literally Mourinho sprints he absolutely bolts it to the fourth official to get in his ear and nothing gonna, comes I of it I thought we were going to actually like physically accost the geezer because Mourinho always had a bit of a smirk and he was fine and it wasn't just Sacramento was like, doing, like yeah. sort of the gesticulating for a card it's almost like he got in Marino's head, and he, yeah, he just—I mean, you he can charged, see it, can't you? Yeah, you can yeah. see his mind going over. Him. And, uh, a fantastic moment that yeah. was, absolutely brilliant, and that's been doing the rounds all over Twitter and mm. Facebook. So, if you haven't seen that, I'm sure you have to check that out. Um, now, the second half—I mean, somehow we ended up taking the lead after Zinchenko's red card. Mm. No debate about that. Definite second yellow yeah. for me. Just takes winks out. Um, but the 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 Bergwijn goal, which was. What a take. I mean, Sublime. Lucas Moura plays one of the strangest passes. I've, and I still don't know if he meant it or if he's just toe-punted it and it's mm. gone to him. But he's sort of... It, he's having to squat a little bit as he takes it on the chest because it's not quite the right height. And he just... He absolutely laces it, doesn't it? And it goes in the bottom corner. And I love the fact that as he hits it, he knows it's in. And he's off. Before even Edison's dived, he's off celebrating. And well, what they, a moment. Well, because he, he cushioned it with his chest beautifully. And then as he's connected because of the shot, especially when you're watching it back in the highlights, was from behind him. And as he shot, actually, he's got a lot of work to do because there's quite a lot of legs and bodies to get through. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't like he had a clear run. You know, so just the placement of it and, and managing to get through his bodies, it was, it was a sublime yeah. debut goal. Incredible, wasn't it? And a weird celebration as well. I didn't know he did that hand over the face thing. I don't know what that is, but... Yeah, no, they, they asked him about that afterwards. And I think it was something along the lines of a few of his friends said to him once, if you score, do this. Like, you know, that W sign. Uh, he went, okay. And that's just become... Amazing. Not that much of an explanation, but apparently he was just asked to do it and that's become his... But literally, minutes after that goal, the amount of photos that I saw of people doing it, I was <laughs> yeah, like, oh, amazing, yeah. this is a yeah. new thing now. I love it already. Um, fantastic take. What, what a debut for him. And then, you know, it felt like just moments later it was 2-0 with Sun. Now, I'm always very critical of Sun and I say that fantastic play can't question his ability but he doesn't he's not clinical enough for me and he doesn't have games where he's one chance one goal he did yesterday fair enough it worked yeah. for that massive deflection it might have been different but, but he massive, took his goal I would, I would say it was, it was a, a, a solid deflection solid deflection yeah, yeah. Um, took his goal but I mean it, it all come from a fantastic four pass from Ndombele mm. who came on um, dancing in midfield wasn't he just fizzes a ball forward Otamendi's nowhere and he, and he hits it solid deflection back of the net um, amazing you know and at 2-0 that was when I relaxed and I was thinking we've got it here at 1-0 you're still thinking oh this is a bit classic Spurs but when he went 2 it was just a sense for me that it was like that's job done see that is the thing and this is what has made my 37 years very painful is that we had an extra man on the pitch we were 2-0 up and all I kept thinking was we need a third I can't run out we need a third. Even if we'd have got the third, you'd yeah, think we yeah, need a fourth. Yeah, 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 yeah it's fourth. true. It's true. And I actually, I actually said to my friend, I said, isn't it interesting? Can you, I, I said, I'd like to know if there are any other fans where they're in this situation, 2-0 up, extra man on the pitch, and they're, all, and they're, they're, they're uncomfortable at 2-0. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so spursy. You can imagine in the 81st, 82nd minute, City get one back, our crowd turn, yeah. they, they get... You'd have been going, I'll take a point. Yeah, I'll take yeah, a point. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, but that... But that What's incredible about City, and for me, like the way City play football, that is perfection for me. I absolutely love watching Guardiola teams. The way they just pen teams in, dominate the ball, it's fantastic. Mm. Some people 
uh, it's not for them, but I absolutely love watching them play. Even with 10 men, we couldn't get the ball. Mm. It's just ridiculous. Mm. Like, we've got a man extra. You know, they, kept, they still kept defenders back. We could not get the ball off them. It was just phenomenal. And they're, just, they're such a brilliant team to watch City. And you think, a lot of people obviously saying, oh, you know, this is the end of the City domination in Guardiola. I don't think it is. I think they need to sort their centre-halves out and they need to get Fernandinho back into midfield. And with that, they'll be a lot more consistent. But it's such a brilliant team to watch. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is just... Uh, he's the best in the Premier League for me by a country mile. He's a fantastic player. And they're not going to win the title, but I mean... There's worse positions you can be in, right? Like, I see a lot of City fans moaning, and it's like, I get it, but, like, come on. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's one of those things that when you get used to a certain level of success, anything less hurts. Yeah. And especially, uh, you know, City having won the league and, and being as dominant as they have been, to watch the absolute kind of control and annihilation of the rest of the league by Liverpool, that's, that's going to stick yeah. in their throat. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a beautiful team to watch. Liverpool, just it's phenomenal what they're doing. Absolutely phenomenal. I've just, I've never... They are, I think that they're probably the most relentless football team I've ever seen. Mm. Where it just literally, when they have the ball, they just attack. Yeah. Like they don't keep it, keep it built. They just attack, and every time they go forward, they have a shot. Yeah. And it's just, it, it just never ends. Do you know? Do you know which are, something that sums up the mentality of Liverpool fans? Which is really, I found quite funny. I was chatting to a Liverpool fan this morning. And he said, because obviously you know that after, with us beating City 2-0, uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they can now win it in as little as six games. And he said it almost feels a bit anticlimactic because it will just sort of be fizzled out by the end of March and that's mm. it, done. So like, you're about to break record upon record, you know, not been done since the Invincible, <coughs> to win to, to this level of points and in this level of consistency. And you're finding a reason to find it a bit mm. anticlimactic and negative. Like the, the level of, of, of expectation... Liverpool is just unbelievable. But I sort of get what he says because you know how City obviously won it last season. It did go to the last day and there was mm. that moment when City went behind and Liverpool were in front yeah. and it was like, yeah. they're going to do it. And like winning it like that or the way City won it with the Aguero goal in the last minute could, you know, I, I get what you're saying. It's I mean, very Hollywood. I, I wish we were sat here being like, oh God, isn't it, <laughs> yeah. isn't it boring? We're going to yeah, win the yeah, league yeah, next yeah. month. God, it's awful. The one thing I will say um, is I think um, Klopp not managing... Um, the, the, yeah, second the team because of the winter break I think is an absolute disgrace well, I, think, I think it's disrespectful and I think it's wrong I I love the FA Cup I, I think it's, I mean I've never in my lifetime I've never seen something in the FA Cup final which depresses me yeah. um, but I have such an attachment to it I think because it's such a historical famous trophy right and mm. my dad my granddad you know seen Spurs do amazing things in the FA Cup so I think as a Spurs fan you know how big the FA Cup is um, if Klopp decides that he wants to field his youth team whilst I don't ethically agree with it I think you know what if that's what he wants to do and he's not bothered about it fine but, I, I but, take more umbrage with him not, not managing the game but him not managing I didn't, I didn't even think that was allowed mm. I didn't think that was a thing I personally would I'm love to see a 40 point deduction from the Premier League <laughs> <Would> <laughs> would be was that right? absolutely incredible wouldn't yeah. it um, so yeah that didn't sit right at no. all with me I, but I, again I didn't even know that it was a thing that you were able to do no. I'm sure that they'll get a massive £15,000 fine or something like yeah, that yeah, 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 it absolutely. will financially yeah. burden them they'll have a whip round yeah, that's it. to cover it um, just one other quick one on yes. Bergwijn on his debut which mm. was excellent I mean he ran his socks off and he, you know, yeah. he's clearly got that turn of pace and he looks, he looks dangerous he looks like the type of player that if you're 
the opposition, you'd be uncomfortable playing against him because yep. he's, he's so lively. Um, fantastic debut. Any debuts that you can remember being like, wow, that's absolutely incredible? I can. Just on the, on the Bergwijn thing, um, I'm, I'm, a, I have a, I'm a massive believer that a player should genuinely really care, like be really, really passionate. If you think about people, the lowly likes of us, that we will pay to rent out a power league pitch. We pay for the yeah, privilege yeah. of playing this game and they get to live their rock star lifestyles because of playing the beautiful game. They should care. Now, I don't know if it's because it was debut, because of the, the, the you know, it's huge to play against City, but when he scored the goal, when he's pounding yeah. his chest and he's hitting the cockerel, I really love to see that because I think like, you know, he, he seems bought into it and invested. And also, uh, the post-match interview on the pitch when him and Sonny were there and he was looking around and just, you know, you, he, I, do, I feel like he, he, he wants to do well for us. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really important yeah. thing. I love that. Um, so, yeah, debut, it's a classic. Klinsman against Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, anybody that doesn't know about that, just descri- describe that. So, so obviously, Klinsman, massive signing. It was, it was away because his first, his home debut was against Everton. But this was first against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, we were actually losing the game, um, and then oh, who played the ball in? I'm trying to play the ball into him, but basically, he's jumped up, leapt like a salmon, um, <laughs> header um, to put us back in front, and then Klinsman, known for being a bit of a. Um, um, a play actor when it comes to, to being tackled and maybe not the most honest in terms of um, you know, a bit of an alley of his day um, ran off and, and did what's now known as the Klinsman dive yeah. and celebrated by, by failing that and it was, there was such an expectation of, of him delivering when he came to us um, and then to score such a crucial goal obviously we went on, we went on to win 4-3 in that game um, to celebrate in that way it was, it was just he really announced his arrival mm. and it was, it was yeah, yeah that, was not that was 94 a long time ago. Yeah, well, I won't yeah. tell you how many years yeah, ago yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a long time ago. So. Long time um, ago. More recent years, I remember Moussa Dembele's debut yeah. um, to Norwich. Norwich. He was on the bench. I remember getting there thinking, why don't we just spend, like, at the time, a huge sum, it's like 15 million or whatever, which was massive then. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why is he not starting? He came on at half time and scored within about five or six minutes, and it was just an absolute phenomenal performance. And you're thinking, cool, we've, we've got a player here. One of the best debuts I've ever seen for Spurs, Dean Marnie against Everton do you remember this he scored a brace yeah. one was about 25 yards and he curled it in the top corner the other one was a mm. scrappy penalty box finished we beat Everton 4-2 mm. and he was phenomenal absolutely mm. run the game everyone was going we've got a player here yeah. we really have uh, I don't know where he was at Burnley the last time I heard so uh, debuts can be misleading well, well yeah, yeah 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 absolutely right but listen, hopefully, hopefully yesterday was, was a good omen. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that that is a turning point for us. Hopefully, as fans, now we can go into this week. If we can get a victory over Southampton, that would be huge for us. Um, just a quick one, any other business. The goings on at the Olympic Stadium at the mm. moment, which we don't, I don't want to talk too much about other clubs, but I can't not laugh at the moment <laughs> at that. Um, yeah. I thought that that Brighton game for them was going to be a little bit of a banana skin. Mm. Wasn't following it too close. I saw they were tuning it up for, oh, that's, that's that done and dusted then. Picked it up later in the day at 3-2 when mm. they were saying, oh, it's all Brighton, it's all Brighton and Glenn Murray to then get the equaliser. They are banging trouble, West Ham. I mean, their next two fixtures as well. It's like their next seven. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. All yeah, the yeah. top sides. And I mean, they could really be in some serious trouble. I mean, what a shame that would be, wouldn't it? So, I was going to say, the, the, the one thing that's lost on the podcast is, as you were saying, that this grin was just getting bigger <laughs> and bigger in your face. I mean, 
I don't know what to say. They're, they're, they're not a likeable club. Um, I don't have it. I just I feel no sympathy. Sometimes when you see a club struggling, it's not nice. You don't wish it on them. But you like know, Bournemouth what? this season. Yeah. Most people have been like, oh, I really want Eddie Howe to turn that around yeah, and get yeah, around yeah, 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 yeah. West Ham. No, they can no, struggle no, no, away. No. Yeah. And actually, I was watching Watford go on the run, you know, and that, and that included playing. I was just like, yeah, good luck to them. You yeah. like to see that. I like to see sort of underdogs do well. But yeah, this, this is. Um, it's it's for some 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 interesting spectators, and we will have a, a opportunity in a few games time. We play them to really sink them into deeper Huge. trouble. Yeah, you know because I think mean, they got Liverpool or City and Liverpool next, yeah. haven't they? Which that that's gone. That's yeah. just two two yeah. defeats. I and mean, you know if the teams around them. Are, are, <coughs> although uh, are we have we got Villa next in the league? Yeah, I think I think we've got Villa next. So that's a really Sounds that's obviously right. interesting because that, that's uh, in and around them as well. Uh, but yeah, like, ultimately they're, they're, the 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 run that they've got. Um, and the form they're in, it, do, it do, just doesn't look good for them. We got all. we got some tough games coming. So we do have Villa next weekend on the sixteenth. Yeah. Then we have Leipzig at home on the nineteenth, yes. and then three days later we were away at Chelsea, mm. and then after that we were at home to Wolves. So our next you know four games in all competitions are going to be it, difficult. The, the, it is, but it's, I just think that like, it's it's such it's so precarious now in the league. I mean, if you you look between so what we're fifth four points off of Chelsea all the way down to like the Gooners it's just there's there's so few points in it that it, it literally is two or three weeks so if we, let's say we get past Southampton we have a decent win against mm. Villa and we have a good first leg against Leipzig and you look at okay so we're progressing the FA Cup still in Champions League we're knocking on the door all of a sudden you yeah. know it's 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 all looking, but then equally those same three results go the wrong way and our season, and yeah, our yeah, season's yeah. Like, like, almost yeah. over, so it's it's really precarious at the moment. So I think this this is where we need to we need to stop the, the rashness of the Oreo challenges in the box, and yeah. get, you know play some good football, keep focused, and and, and basically control our destiny. Yeah. That Chelsea game on the twenty second mm. is going to be massive, huge. absolutely massive. You know, there's only one league game between now and then, so you'd imagine that that gap would probably still be four points. Yeah, I mean, if they were to beat us in that game. Seven, it'd be difficult for us to close that gap. On the flip side, if we went there and won, yeah, and you know this, this, this is Jose Mourinho. No, no one want to win that game more than him. Mm. All of a sudden, you'd be breathing down their neck again. But we, but we had the scenario with them. We did. We were twelve we points behind. We got yeah. all the way there. It was like if we win this, then we jump ahead on goal <laughs> difference, and we messed it up. So it, listen, we, we've somehow managed to get ourselves back in contention with them. Um, we've got a second bite of the uh, of the cherry. So let's see what we do. But I think you're right. It's going to be another huge couple of weeks. Fingers crossed we get through against Southampton this week. We'll yeah. see what happens. But remember, whatever does happen, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised, until today, just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well... They're the finest team in Great Britain, and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. 
We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.